0: Welcome to Continuum, a podcast dedicated to your health. We'll introduce you to individuals throughout the healthcare world, from patients to providers, with a focus on inspiration and education. episode, Jessica Hover of the American Heart Association joins us to discuss heart disease in minority populations. Jessica explains how heart disease affects each group differently, some contributing factors, and the work being done to increase heart health among minorities. Thanks again for joining us, everyone. Today, we have Jessica Hover, and she is Development Director for the American Heart Association because we are talking hearts today. Uh, more specifically, how minorities and heart disease are related, and it's and we're talking about it because it's not really something that's talked about a whole lot. So I'm going to kick it over to you, uh, Jessica, to talk about exactly um, what it is that you do at the American Heart Association and to lead us into discussion about this topic.
1: Okay. Well, thanks for having me on today. Um, I, as you said, am the development director, so I do um, fundraising and event planning here in Northwest Ohio. Uh, Largely, I work on things like the Go Red for Women event and our HeartBall and all kinds of different um, research receptions and other things than that. Beyond that, my job also includes a lot of public health education and awareness, so I do a lot of hands-only CPR training and lunch and learns and speak at a lot of different events.
0: Excellent. Yeah. It's uh, the development role is always, always fun. You get to talk and uh, to so many different people and make all these interesting connections and things like that. I really, one of those jobs I kind of covet, it kind of gets you out of the office, I think more than the most uh, do. So yeah, every uh, day is
1: different, yeah, right? Yeah. It's a lot of fun to see all kinds of different, um, People and I hear different stories all over the place. I mean, I was at a bank yesterday working with them and one of the um, managing partners came in and started telling me about his heart attack and what happened to him. And oh, it's just fascinating who I run into and what yeah. stories they have to share.
0: Yeah. And I imagine that just serves as a, an inherent reminder of really what it is you're out doing every day. It's, that's, that's really cool. Right. Right. so, heart disease this is the leading cause of death in the u.s i'm not super surprised to hear and learn about this but could you elaborate a little bit as to what's going on with that
1: yeah sure um heart disease is the number one killer of men and women um it also affects one out of every hundred babies born with congenital heart defects um definitely affects their life and their lifespan. Um, in this country, someone's born or heart disease strikes someone in this country about every 43 seconds. So oh, man. every, you know, less than a minute in someone's dying of heart disease. Um, we also talk a lot about stroke. Um, American Heart Association, American Stroke Association are one and the same. And stroke kills someone in the United States about once every four minutes. Um, the other thing to know about stroke is that it is the number one disabler of adults. So many people that have a stroke then have serious disabilities, uh, in their life.
0: Yeah. Oh, man, yeah, we see, I, I know driving down the highway, I see the signs for fast and things like that. And certainly in our, right. in our industry being, uh, in, we're in post-acute care, certainly, uh, we see right. a lot of stroke patients in, 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 especially in, in um, uh, I could talk, it'd be dangerous inpatient rehabilitation and, and certainly in our ill attacks right. as well. So demographics, though, have some influence here and, and, and kind of change things a little bit in terms of how we look at heart disease, uh, which is really sort of the main topic today. I mean, uh, we all have a general understanding about heart disease, but we're going to dive into a little bit more specifically of how uh, different backgrounds, basically minorities, and and their relationship uh, with heart disease.
1: Right. So our country's multicultural population is at a disproportionately high risk for heart disease and stroke. Um, One statistic that I find really interesting is that today, 37% of the U.S. population is considered multicultural, but by 2050, 54% will be. So, so closing this disparity gap gap is critical.
0: Yes, yeah. I mean it. It sounds like we're. It almost makes it sound like we're on a downward spiral if we continue with the the sort of heart heart disease specs or stats that we have today, uh, compounded with the the increased percentage of minorities in the U.S. It's it's a scary thought. Uh, so
1: yeah, it is a
0: scary thought. So our are minorities, they are genetically predisposed to heart disease? Is, is, that, is that really true?
1: So we can say that genetic differences do exist. And a couple stats um, to go through, African Americans have a high risk for first ever stroke and a much higher death rate than stroke. Um, American Indians and Alaskan Natives are more likely to die from stroke. Uh, Mexican Americans have a higher risk of stroke. And 21% of Asian Americans have high blood pressure, so that just highlights some of those. Um, and yes, there, there does seem to be a genetic component. Um, diversity within different racial and ethnic groups means that genetic traits common to some groups can't be generalized. So it's sort of hard to say, like, you know, what, where it starts and where it stops.
0: Right. But
1: we do know that in the United States nearly half of all black adults have some form of cardiovascular disease compared with about one third of white adults and a genetic difference um that predisposes African Americans to high blood pressure might play a role in that and there is continuing to be research on that kind of thing.
0: No, that's very interesting. And so so there's a genetic sort of uh connection there, but there are also cultural roles that 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 appear here um clearly with with caucasian americans you know i well, i think of super bowl parties and <laughs> like just the ridiculous right. celebratory eating that we kind of just do and and really don't even think about um that's us but in terms of minorities there are some cultural things that that affect of course as well
1: right and i i definitely want to highlight that um, and when we're talking about cardiovascular disease, we can link about 20% of it to genetics, but 80% is our lifestyle habits and the culture in which we live and that kind of thing. So it's really important to, um, we can't just blame everything on genetics. Like there's much bigger issues going on here.
0: Right. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's like, it's like, wow, I'm not training for the Olympics and I'm, um, I'm predisposed anyway. So whatever now there there is there's there's a as with most things in life there there's a level of mindfulness to uh and awareness to mitigate these kinds of things and and try and turn the stats around um uh, so right. uh, we've we've talked about ethnicity we've talked about the cultural uh sort of tendencies we'll say associated with them now you know let's let's talk a little bit about gender uh So women, as I'm uh, as I'm learning, actually are even at a greater risk, more of a risk than men, which I, again, just kind of wouldn't really guess that. Can you elaborate on what exactly is going on there uh, with like I said, I I would assume it would be men just because of I don't know, I associate like a man sitting down and eating all this food and. (laughs) I just don't, I don't know. I (laughs) I
1: agree. And I think a lot of times when we think about heart disease, we think about an old white man and that's just not the case when we dig a little bit deeper. Um, Heart disease is the number one killer of women. It claims the lives of one in three women. So if you think about the three closest women in your life and one of them is likely to die of heart disease. Um, if we compare that to cancer. One in thirty women die of cancer.
0: Whoa, so this whoa, is whoa! A
1: significant, um, you know, impact and awareness that we need to be addressing. Uh. The other piece of it that I think is that I'm really passionate about and drives a lot of the work that I do is that only about half of women are aware that heart disease is their leading cause of death. So they may not know um, what to do, what their warning signs are. How important it is to make the lifestyle choices that they make. Yeah. Um, so I just think that that's a huge advocacy and awareness area to always be highlighting and talking about. Yeah. Um. So the Go Red for Women movement specifically, right? Started in um, 2004. Because prior to that time, gender-specific research was not a thing. So a lot of clinical trials only included men and didn't usually include women. Um, some of that was because they didn't, we didn't know the statistics we know now. And there was also kind of like this misconception that men and women would present the same sort of signs with cardiovascular health. Which is not true. Women uh, typically do present different signs when it comes to heart attack and stroke, uh, and we found that out through a lot of research. So yeah. since that time, we uh, heart disease deaths in women have been cut by thirty percent, which is very significant just since two thousand four. So just continuing to work on that research and education has made a big impact.
0: Yeah, I can imagine, and it's great to hear. So kind of steering things back to uh, minorities a little bit and 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 continuing to talk about research. Uh, we had talked briefly on our uh, initial pre-interview that, uh, again, research for minorities. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll let me back up and say that research in this general area was predominantly only done with uh, white male samples up until, and I can't remember what you said, if it was the late nineties or early 2000 or maybe it was mid nineties. So what, what occurred, what, what has changed? What, why is that not the case anymore? I mean, I might draw my own conclusions there, but could you elaborate on, on why all of a sudden we realized we woke up, I'll say, and said, well, you can't just use a white, Man as the paradigm or the uh, the main sort of test subject we'll say
1: right. i I just think there became um, I mean, I've talked to many cardiologists who who are older and it kind of came from that generation that started to advocate for research that was gender specific. and minority health was taken into account, and test subjects were a variety of people. Um, prior to that time, there was just kind of an understanding of the components of the heart, and a misconception that everyone was similar in the human body isn't different in terms of um, body makeup, in terms of like ethnicity or gender, yeah. Yeah. which we know that that isn't really true. The other thing that started to play into this, so is that there became more and more research on um, social determinants of health and culture and how where people live, based on their zip code, can drastically change their expected lifespan. So Even here in Northwest Ohio, from one zip code to the next zip code, there can be as wide as 20 years lifespan difference. And people started to... See these stats and start to question why and start to um, purposely implement research test subjects to find out why that was happening.
0: I had no idea it was that granular. I would assume maybe from like, well, we're in Pennsylvania, like maybe, you know, there might be a difference between somebody in Philadelphia versus Pittsburgh, but you're telling me that it's like As tight as South Philly, North Philly, kind of thing. That's amazing. That is amazing. Absolutely,
1: and I can find your zip (laughs) codes and let you know. Um, But no, I have a map of Northwest Ohio, and it's uh, remarkable and kind of horribly sad that (sighs) this this difference. um, And they're calling it kind of like the hot zips are the ones that have the those you know, their life expectancy is not as long and they seem to have some real, really critical health needs and what can we do in those neighborhoods yeah. and in those zip codes to change that.
0: Now, this, this may sound like a joke, but I'm, I am being serious. Is there any correlation to the number of, like, fast food or chain restaurants in these zip codes and, and things like that?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's a couple major reasons for the, the social determinants of health Issue, which is kind of like the overarching term for the circumstances where people are born grow live work um, and how those neighborhoods affect their health Um, it's everything from housing unstable housing situations to affordable healthy food we a lot of times when you look at the grocery stores in a certain zip code or area versus the number of fast food places some of those zip codes that we've found they're actually considered a food desert which means that they don't have grocery stores in those areas and they definitely don't have places that you can buy fresh fruits and vegetables that kind of thing if you think about you know an inner city neighborhood they're likely to just have a convenience store
0: right and
1: possibly a fast food place they don't have a full grocery store so this has been an issue in a way that people have been trying to change those neighborhoods is bring in some grocery stores, um, get some food carts, do farmer's markets, anything. Um, I just spoke to a woman who is all about urban gardening. So she's been putting in gardens in these areas. They can not only have the fresh fruits and vegetables, but learn how to grow them.
0: Wow. So, so now that segues us really nicely into, We've, we've outlined who this affects, how often it affects them uh, geogra- from a geographic standpoint, from a, ge- a genetic st- standpoint, gender standpoint. So uh, raising awareness. Obviously, you're out there fighting the good fight, and you have shared right. a little bit of like what that looks like day to day for you, but can you, uh, maybe on a more broad scale, Uh, help us understand uh, how awareness is is being raised and and, and what all is going on with that.
1: Sure. So some of it on a global level is American Heart Association and other organizations are partnering together, like, for instance, with the the Housing Alliance, so that they can start addressing some of these issues as partners. Um, A lot of it comes down to advocacy as well. Um, we have a whole department that just focuses on laws and regulations and ways that we can ensure that there is healthy food in schools, that we are providing things that aren't just sugary pop drinks, soda, right. <laughs> um, that we're outlining nutrition labels so that they can be properly marked so people know what to look for and how to do it. And tobacco laws have been... Huge. Um, we can't stress enough how bad smoking of any sort, including e cigarettes, which is our new battle.
0: Which yeah, I'm sure a it is. At
1: some point.
0: Yeah, right. Um,
1: but smoke, yeah, smoke free workplaces, smoke free housing, all of those things drastically affect health. Um, yeah. Yeah. So everything from starting with the law to getting people involved. And then working with the doctors and physicians, there's one doctor, he's on our board. Um, he's African American, and he goes to a lot of the barber shops that exist in the, some of the neighborhoods that are mostly African American because they feel comfortable going in there. Sure, and he yeah. goes and they get their haircut, and they also get blood pressure screening and their cholesterol screening. Um, so, how, you know, just creatively, what are ways that we can? work within those neighborhoods with key community
0: leaders yeah that's bang and get on those wow.
1: education materials
0: out very very cool that's uh yeah it puts a smile on my face that, that people are out there yeah. doing <laughs> those kinds of things so really i mean it's 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 one thing to become a you know a doc like that and you could you could easily check out but that's really cool it really yeah, is he's uh, a
1: great guy yeah yeah
0: that's that's so wonderful to hear so now we have touched on this a, a little bit but again in summing up uh, how can individuals obviously as as the topic of discussion today minorities how can they live uh, a more uh, healthy more mindful life um you know again geographically genetically and from a gender standpoint as as starting to beat to death uh they're kind of up against it
1: Right I think um that, that's why it's so important to me especially to work with as many women as I can because they typically are the ones who schedule the doctor's appointments and take right. the children to get their checkups and make sure that their husband and mom and grandpa you know get the health care that they need it. And I think um, making sure that everyone knows what numbers, are going on in your body so your blood pressure numbers your cholesterol your glucose your weight those are all really important things that people need to know and track those are your best indicators of not only your general health but your cardiovascular health
0: excellent
1: um, people also need to know the risks and warning signs of heart disease and stroke so the risks, some of the things we talked about today the, that at 80% of your lifestyle choices that affect your cardiovascular health. So a lot of that has to do with what do you put in your body and how do you move your body? Right. Talking about those things, um, knowing your signs and symptoms of a heart attack and stroke, what does that look like? You were talking about fast earlier, you know, knowing those things.
0: Yeah. So in terms of heart disease, like what, what, would someone start to notice or feel, uh, with their body, if they're, we'll say, on the verge of of having an episode related to heart disease?
1: Yeah, so some of the things to look for are, um, for men, a lot of it has to do with discomfort in the center of the chest and pain in the left arm. Sometimes it feels like uncomfortable pressure. Um, shortness of breath is something a lot of people start to notice and they think, that they blame it on other things or they just, it comes on gradually. Uh, You know, a lot of times you hear about an elderly person who's maybe shoveling their driveway, and that shortness of breath gets out of control and is an indicator of a heart attack. So just being aware of that. Um, For women, it has to do a lot with pain in their their jaw and nausea. So breaking out in a cold sweat, Nausea, feeling lightheaded, having several episodes of that—usually a good time to schedule your doctor's appointment, just yeah. get it checked out.
0: Yeah. Wow. Wow. The difference between the just uh, again the, from a gender perspective—that's uh, that's pretty remarkable, honestly. Uh, very. It. it
1: very, I agree.
0: Uh, yeah. Wow. Great to know. So yeah. that leads us to my final question today, and. That has to do with where do we get more information on these kinds of things? Um, Because we've only, sadly, only scratched the surface in the, you know, not even 25 minutes we've been talking.
1: Um, Our American Heart Association Stroke Association website has a plethora of resources. Our website is www.heart.org. Um, If you're specifically interested in minority health and want to learn more about that or become involved with changing what's happening, there's a great website that's run through the American Heart Association, but also some of our other key community partners. And it's called empoweredtoserve.org. There is a link through that from the heart.org as well, but it does exist as its own organization to help support and educate and equip people with the information that they need specifically for minority health.
0: Fantastic. Well, this has really been great. And Jessica, really I want to thank you so much for joining us today. Um, I literally learned like so many uh, just, yeah, just what a great informative uh, discussion today. I really do. I really appreciate you taking some time out and the, again spread spread awareness and and talk through some of the things that don't always make the headlines if you will um, which is which I think is really important because there are a lot of little uh, facets to this that are pretty intense and 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 unfortunately I think get looked over uh, more often than they should so again thank you very much
1: yeah absolutely thank you I really appreciate the opportunity and I'm super passionate about getting this messaging out so i'm very grateful to have this
0: platform to do it absolutely and i i know for a fact that you'll be joining us again i'm i'm sure for uh at least a couple more episodes down the road so we look forward to having you back great. and uh with that folks that's going to do it for today uh thank you and we'll catch you next time all right guest today was Jessica Hover of the American Heart Association. To learn more about heart disease and how it affects minorities, check out the show notes on the Continuum blog at FibraHealthcare.com slash blog. If you enjoyed our conversation with Jessica, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcasting platform. And don't forget to subscribe to receive new episodes as they're released.